the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We take somebody as evil as Jeffrey Dahmer or Ted Bundy, and we bristle at anyone who would try to defend them as a lawyer. And this is precisely what Jesus does with you and I when it comes to our sin and His grace. And again, welcome. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, online at reformedheritage.org. Welcome to our program today. We are back in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Message simply called, Sin Considered in Christ. Now, again, we're not saying that Jesus was sinful. What we are saying is what the Apostle Paul said, that Jesus took our sin. He bore our sin all the way to the cross. And then he paid for it. Join us. Here's Pastor Gary and today's Abounding Grace. Yes, when we believe in him, there is no condemnation. But it did more than this. His sacrifice broke the chains of sin that bound us. And when we are made one with him by the Holy Spirit, when we believe on his name, justifying righteousness and power unto holiness, come to us. This is what makes Jesus such a glorious Savior. But we have made him an inglorious Savior. How have we done this? Salvation is just three or four spiritual laws. Just sign on the dotted line. Walk an aisle. Get baptized. Well, that's great. But the problem is, Unless I am saved on the deathbed, I've got 10, 20, 30, 40, maybe even 60 years where sin is still just pulverizing me. It's making my life a a living hell in preparation for the real hell to come. But not when we see the fullness of our Savior. Matthew 121, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Let me suggest to you that Jesus is the Savior, not only in that he deals with the guilt and the judgment, but he deals with the power of sin so that it no longer has dominion over us. That is what makes him such a glorious Savior. That is how we must preach him to the world. This is how the gospel the church will once again become relevant, not by being a show, you know, smoke and mirrors. We already tried that in the Middle Ages, you know, robed clowns going around muttering mumbo-jumbo Latin mass, burning tapers or candles, medieval sights and sound shows. Did that ever save anyone? No, it darkened and it enslaved because it did not lead men to the Savior who not only deals with the guilt, but with the power of sin in the Christian life. So 
so that as we cry to him, as we abide in him, we make progress and we can overcome the sins in our life. Oh, not perfectly. We've already seen Paul's honesty. What he says in chapter 7 preserves us from any perfectionistic ideas. But there is nonetheless a real victory over sin. Now, I know what some of you are probably thinking. I don't feel this. I know. I don't either. We don't feel it as we one day will. And at times we struggle so much against sin that we cry out, Lord, have mercy upon me. Help me. Why am I like this? But do you know what those cries are? Those cries are the echoes of it. It is finished ringing in the life of the believer. You know, there would be no cry like that for mercy. There would be no praying and hoping and believing and calling upon the name of the Lord if sin were not already condemned and its stranglehold not already broken. Because look at those who are still enslaved to it. There's no crying. There's no upward looking at a Savior. It is, what can I do to cover up the consequences? What can I do to hide the guilt? What can I do to impress others? But you see in the believer, because the chains are rattling on the ground, it is broken. Yes, I can see this ship of sin, the world, Satan coming at me and wanting to ram my faith and my life and my family and my society. But understand, I'm not still chained to the boat. I call upon the name of the Lord. I cry, I fight, and I labor. You see, the Lord Jesus doesn't allow us to have the full gospel of salvation all at once. He wants us seeking it. Have you ever noticed that sometimes he allows sin to regain a temporary supremacy in your life? A a sin you actually thought you had overcome long ago. Then suddenly it comes surging back. Or you think to yourself, why have I been battling against this sin so long? And he gives you a season of reprieve. Or maybe he gives you a lasting victory. What does he want us to learn from these things? I am your savior. Never get far from me. I am the only savior of sinners. Only I can save you from the guilt and the power of sin. And I don't just save you once and then leave you to your own slick piety formulas and feelings and reason. I save you fully, my bride. I save you fully, my body. I save you fully, my friend. I save you every moment because of what I did and what I am now doing in you by my spirit. So, beloved, our holiness is just as tied to the cross as our justification is. Both of them come from one place, that the Son of God condemned sin in the flesh. He satisfied God's just wrath. He broke Sin's power and any progress we want to make at all must be done through his strength and power, applying his word to our lives. Do you want to make progress against the sins in your life? Do you want to be a godlier husband, wife, a wiser father, deal with lust, 
deal with bad decisions. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And we must be saved, brothers and sisters, not only from the guilt, but the power of sin. Or we only have half a Savior. And if we only have half a Savior, we can't have any confidence that we even have a Savior. He is a whole Savior. He dealt with the power and the filth of sin by his one sacrifice on the cross. Now verse 4 tells us how we come to partake of that. And why did he do what he did? Notice that the Holy Spirit is brought forth again. The second time in this short span of four verses, because the Holy Spirit is the personal, indwelling, energetic bond of our union with Jesus. The Holy Spirit takes what Jesus did, condemning sin in the flesh, all those years ago, and he brings it to bear upon us in our lives right now in the flesh as we abide in him and walk with him. And one powerful aspect of this work is that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now, I struggled with this phrase several hours when I was praying, preparing the sermon. What is this referring to? Well, what I finally came to reading everything I could find in, uh, is, that, is that it is intended to be a personal fulfillment in every believer who is joined to Jesus. Think with me about this for just a minute. We do need a Savior. Why do you and I need a Savior right at this moment? Because there is a principle of sin in us, and that sin makes us disobedient to God. And being disobedient to God, we break fellowship, covenant, affection, all the bonds of love, joy, peace, and happiness because of that sin. So here is our half a savior according to the modern gospel jesus obeyed god and that's good as far as that goes you don't have to go to hell he's paid for all your sins great but what about all the rest well now you just follow the spirit well now you just come to our dog and pony shows well now you just go on a missionary trip every now and then that's it But what about the sin that is still in me? That's still in my wife, in my children, in me. What about that? Oh, don't worry about that. Don't worry about the law. Don't worry about duty. Come on. God loves you too much to make you worry about duty again. Let me tell you, beloved, how much God loves us. God loves us so much that he not only made it so we don't have to go to hell, But he also made it so our lives look less like hell in this life. He gave us his Holy Spirit to make our new natures, our supernatural natures that are not of our own making, but of God's compliant obedience. But obedience to what? To follow the Spirit? To follow your feelings? No, to follow God's law. Why? Because as Mr. Calvin said, God's law is the eternal rule of a devout and holy life. It is also, if I might add, the eternal rule of a happy life. 
How can we be happy unless we walk in fellowship with God? Scripture said, blessed, happy are the undefiled in the way we walk in the law of the Lord. Why does obedience make us happy? Because obedience is the way God lives. God lives consistent with his own character. So Jesus is such a glorious Savior. He not only deals with my filth, my corruption, the guilt, the hell, but also he sends his Holy Spirit and begins to work in me, this obedience to God's word. Now the verb tense here, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled, is an aorist, which means it is definitive, which I think in this context simply means not so much a historical past as a definite reality. I think that is the sense here. That is, it, it is going to happen. It is subjunctive. It is going to happen in us. It is personal. That is why Paul adds this phrase, in us. It is going to happen in us. It's also passive. Because God does it. God brings this to pass in our lives. And we ought to be encouraged by this because so often in Christian living, being a better father, a better mother, I many times feel guilty about my sins all the time. I don't give my family much of a spiritual vision. I'm too prideful. I'm too self-absorbed. All these things just gnaw and nag and make me weep. So often... You come back to, I wonder how much this is because I'm trying to do this in my own strength. I forget that any progress in holiness, and there is going to be progress. If God says the righteousness of the law, its true requirements are going to be fulfilled in us, they are going to be fulfilled in us. It's going to happen. But we say, we are going to do it. No, God says, I'm going to do it. So, are you on your face before me, he asks? How did Jesus live? Men, how did Jesus live? Is that how you are living? You might be saying, preacher, are you telling me, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Actually, yes, in this case, I am definitely saying that. So, how did Jesus live? In Hebrews 5, 8, and 9, who in the days of his flesh, when he had cried out to his father with groanings to him who was able to save him from death, he was heard and he feared. Are you crying out, dads? Husbands? Are you crying out for your children? And I'm not talking about for just two minutes every other day. I'm talking about it as a way of life. Do you trust in your principles, your paradigms, your book du jour, what you know? I hope not. For all other ground is sinking sand, except to be before the throne of grace. Mothers, do you want to be, more, be a more patient wife, a more contented mother, not yelling at little children that drive you crazy? Well, where does that come from? Well, maybe I need to read a book or ask some guru on Google. Or maybe I should go to some ladies' conference. No, none of that. 
you need Christ. You need him to come and be your savior. Singles. Ladies, if you could have a husband. Men, if you could have a wife. Girls, let me tell you something. If you are not happy in Jesus, a husband will not make you happy. Young men, if you are not happy in Jesus, all the legitimate sex in the world will not make you happy. Because if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, he has set it up where he will make you happy and holy by his spirit without being married. But please do not neglect the last part of verse 4. This must be super significant because it is repeated so quickly after verse 1. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. In other words, do we want to walk in more obedience to God? Do we want to know more of our Savior's condemned sin in the flesh in our lives so that we can say no to temptation? So we can say no to worry, no to fear, no to lust, yes to peace, yes to my wife, who I have believed for a number of years. And please understand I'm speaking generally here. I'm not talking about Krista. She is a battle axe, unfeeling, uncaring doesn't love me, and Jesus says, I will be your Savior right there, or you will not have me at all. I will save you from that sin that you think is too strong, too entrenched. I will do it, because there is no Savior but me. I heal, I make alive, I kill, I destroy. Besides me, there is no other, and every knee will bow to me, and every tongue confess Do you want to have that? I do. But it scares me to death. But I do want to have it. So we have to walk after the Spirit. We ought to have ten sermons on this, really. It's so important to walk after the Spirit. What does that mean? It means you must be where the Spirit is. You can't walk with someone. You can't walk after, follow after. And this is an active principle. This is a course of life unless you are where he is. And where is the Holy Spirit? He is where the word is. Be where the preaching of God's word is every time it is preached. Let that be the default MO of your life. If you want the scripture's influence on your life. Be where the word of God is. Don't think, yeah, well, you know, I've got this schedule I've got to keep. Listen, God doesn't care about your schedule. He cares about his word in you so that you can know the power of Jesus in your life walking after the spirit. He is the spirit of holiness. We've got to stay away from whatever offends him. Put aside the TV if you must. Most certainly put aside the pornography. Put aside whatever you may be addicted to. Put aside hours on your computer. Put away self. Put it away. Repent of it. Put away the self-absorption. Put it away. Because when we indulge in these things, we say to the Holy Spirit, I don't want you, Spirit of God. And when professing Christians act like this, it is very close to blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Because he is so holy.
And yet he condescends to dwell in me. The eternal holy God with all my filth. Do you see what my default response to sin has to be? To the world has to be? God, forgive me. Which for many of us it hasn't been. But do you see what the default response has to be? I've got to stay away from the temptations. I want holiness. I want life in Christ. I want to know the Savior's power so I can be a better father, a better husband, a godlier young person. So I can be more effectual in the world to resist sin and evil, even though we live in a time of theological apostasy. I need your strength, O Lord, because I don't have any. Beloved, stay away from the filth, because when believers indulge in it, in attitudes, hatefulness to your spouse, coldness to your children, pride, self-confidence, it's like going to bed every night with your mouth stuffed full of hard candy. What's going, what's going to happen in a month or two? You're going to have pockets of decay start to form. And if you keep it up, what will happen? Six months, a year, maybe two or three, your teeth are going to rot out of your mouth and sin is like sugar. It is decaying, poisonous substance. We have to be careful not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Why? And I'll close with this. It is because we are, is it because we are hardcore meanies? No, it's because God has loosed our chains. We're not on the galley ship going down to the bottom of the sea. Yet Satan comes barreling in on us at times. And yes, our own flesh. But God has given us the spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faith, gentleness, meekness, self-control. God just has written out out for you as a master physician a prescription for joy. I've given you my spirit to form the life of my son in you. Walk after me. Now, I know there is no real command here, but there is certainly one implied, walk after my spirit. But where the truth is, be with it. Be where holiness is. Stay away from sin. Love God. Love his word. Because the Lord Jesus only brings us to know the victory of the cross through the indwelling work of the Spirit, which means that unlike dead Islam, dead Buddhism, dead Americanism, the heart of the Christian faith has a living, breathing person, the Holy Spirit of God who indwells every believer to bring the victory of Jesus Christ into our lives. Do you know that victory? You might honestly conclude, Lord, after hearing this, I don't know. When you don't know, when you're not sure about your spiritual state, what are you supposed to do? Follow Peter. Jesus said to the 12 apostles, are you also going to go away? Peter said, where else are we going to go? You are the only one who has the word of truth. And we know we are persuaded that you are the Christ of God. So if you doubt yourself, good. If you doubt If your doubt leads you to the Lord Jesus, I need you. I have nowhere else to go for the truth. 
I want you as my Savior. I'm glad I don't have to go to hell, and that's well and good. But Lord, I need your power to overcome the sin still in me that only comes from you. Call on him now, and he will save you. We have God's own promise, beloved. He'll save our homes, our families, our lives, our children, our societies. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 Eight six six five six zero seven. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.